This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. I'm uh, sitting here looking at my Arnold Palmer half lemonade, half iced tea that you so generously bought me from the 7-Eleven and thinking how much times have changed since the seltzer water obsession days in the studio. They have. uh, You no longer drink that shit. Well, that's absolutely not true. (laughs) I drink a lot of that shit. I just drink it at home. Oh. Hmm. I guess this is because I'm no longer living with intern Nate, who was drinking that shit that I don't see you drinking as much of it. There was a lot of um, seltzer drinking in that house, but I also, I cut back on actually bringing it over to that house because inevitably Nate would never buy any seltzer. It was just just like, oh dude, you got some seltzer? Can I have some? (laughs) And I'm not trying to be stingy about the money yeah but in this case it is about labor because someone has to carry that 12 pack of seltzer from the grocery store and guess who it was never it was never nate it was never nate never who bought it i have been seeing you drinking arnold palmer's lately though uh some some i definitely the the Zona, the 99 cent Zona. That's, that's one of is, the best deals. Is one of the one best, of the best deals. drink deals you can find nowadays. I prefer the green tea one. Mm. In my boring old age, I want to cut down on sugar. And the green tea one is very refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> so, two of my interests intersected today, it seems. Oh, yeah, what are those? Labor leader Jeremy Corbyn and <laughs> Newcastle United. Yeah, they uh not getting along, I saw. So Where I, do you stand in this dispute? I, I am on fully on Team Corbyn, and he is 100% correct here. The backstory is that Corbyn criticized Newcastle United's owner, a billionaire by the name of Mike Ashley. I've seen you criticize Mike Ashley repeatedly. Repeatedly, right. He owns the Sports Direct, a a company called Sports Direct in the UK, which is basically like a uh, a Models equivalent. It's a sporting (laughs) goods store. And since he bought... Newcastle United in I want to say 2007 or early 2008 one uh, one of the two. Anyway, since he's bought them they've been relegated twice. <laughs> they've come back up. Uh basically if you don't know anything about soccer, it's not good. It's not good. He has uh basically run the club into the ground and they're struggling. Yeah. I mean, they don't have Solomon Rondone. They got rid of Iosi Perez. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Corbin lashed out at them in in some criticism because Corbin correctly brings up how English soccer is now a playground for the rich. Yeah. The games are unaffordable for the average fan to go to. 
It's mostly middle class, upper middle class. And then within the leagues itself, you have this situation where the richest teams always win or mostly win, the exception being Leicester City winning the Premier League a few years ago. And so it just becomes this ridiculous fucking exercise in opulence. And so Corbin is 100% correct to go after these teams, making a, a shrewd cultural point there about how capitalism uh, just fucks you in every single way, whether you're a, a, a worker or a fan of, I don't know, uh, West Ham United. <laughs> well, they have a pretty good team this year. But anyway, so Newcastle fought, uh, Newcastle United issued a statement criticizing Corbin, which seems very thin-skinned to me. Like, dude, you own a professional soccer team. You're, you're sort of living the dream. Maybe shut the fuck up and focus on getting some stability in the club. I wouldn't have brought it up, except you brought it to my attention. And here I am ranting about it for, no, I good. don't know, two minutes. It's good. It's good. And I, I like Jeremy Corbyn over there riling people up by taking on these billionaire football club owners, talking about how we need more fan ownership of clubs. So one interesting thing about English soccer is that the Premier League, the, the we're talking about teams that are over 100 years old. The Premier League itself, the English Premier League, was invented in 1990. Now, that's not to say that people didn't play before then. There, it, was, it was called the first division before the Premier League was created. But when the Premier League was created, they changed the rules so that there had to be less revenue sharing. So the big teams like Man United, uh, Tottenham, Liverpool, they could take more of the revenue and uh, would have would find more success on the field. And they have. And, and that, interestingly, that happened right at the end of the Margaret Thatcher era. Hmm. So you kind of see how these insidious ideologies just fucking sink their claws into every aspect of your life, including things you love, uh, like soccer and Newcastle United. Moving on, two of my favorites intersected as well. Uh, daytime talk show hosts and war criminals. <laughs> Talking about the uh, Ellen DeGeneres enjoying a, a day at Cowboy Stadium with George W. Bush. Which, yeah, it's fucked up. Doesn't really surprise me that Ellen is hanging out with uh, George W. Bush. But what really pisses me off is her explanation for it which she did on her show yesterday, and which she's like, uh, we just need to be nice to each other. Look, I disagree with George W. Bush on a lot of things, but you're supposed to be nice to those people too. I don't mean just be nice to people you agree with. I mean, be nice to everybody. Is this some of the lamest shit you've heard? Yeah. I mean, this is just rich people talking about hanging out with other rich people when it comes down to it. Yeah. I mean, I disagree with you on certain things but we're nice when we disagree N none of this none of our disagreements involve the murder of 500,000 yes. people yes i'll like i have been nice to conservatives before and will be nice to conservatives out in public in the world 
but none of them are war criminals who have the deaths of hundreds of thousands to millions on their hands. She She's not talking about your fucking weird uncle at Thanksgiving dinner and biting your tongue for 90 minutes. She's talking about, she's justifying going to a fucking luxury box, the owner's luxury box, to hang out with a guy whose fucking jowls are dripping with blood. <laughs> the Ellen Show is just a breeding ground for people wanting to prove the fish hook theory exists in real life. She did have Bernie on, though, didn't she? At one well, point. she has everybody on her she show, but, her show, you know, but from that, the way she the acts, rehabilitating George W. Bush to who is her producer who is like, eh, Antifa should just stay at home. Oh, yeah, yeah. She does have that shitty producer who- Andy Lassner or something? Yeah. I think he had a, a pretty cringe take on Pelosi recently, too, mm. so- Ellen, yeah, Ellen is the breeding ground for fishhook theory. Daytime TV in general, I think, but somehow especially Ellen. It's Tuesday, October 8th, 2019. Here's the news. Another big day at the Supreme Court. Today, justices heard arguments in two cases involving discrimination against LGBTQ people, which George W. Bush supported, by the way. Yep. In addition to all his, if you're not with us, you're you're with the terrorists. I love that civility. Anyway, the first case today is about two men who were fired from their respective jobs because they were gay. The second case was brought by a transgender woman fired by a funeral home. The question at hand in both cases is whether Title VII under the Civil Rights Act protects people based on sexual orientation and gender identity. Currently, only 21 states in Washington, D.C. ban such workplace discrimination. In other words, you can be fired for being gay or trans in most states in the U.S. Among the amicus filings arguing for federal protection was a major union. The SEIU noted it represents many women, both gay and straight, who face orientation-based discrimination at male-dominated professions. For example, quote, a career firefighter may be told in her job interview that if hired, she will inevitably become bisexual because no women firefighters are straight. This happened to one woman in Utah who couldn't find a job firefighting for six years despite being highly qualified. SEIU filings also noted, quote, women security officers may feel compelled to wear makeup and accept sexual advances from male supervisors in order to avoid being called F expletive deleted. The actual homophobic slur is in the filing. Despite this seeming like a slam dunk, of course, it seems like conservatives are poised to find some way to rule on behalf of homophobes. SCOTUS blog's Amy Howe watched oral arguments. She noted on Twitter of the first case, quote, Justices appear closely divided. Case could hinge on Justice Neil Gorsuch, who acknowledged that question is close, but also expressed concerns about massive social upheaval, in quotes. So on one hand, people have rights. On the other, shitheads may loudly fill their diaper if those rights are exercised. It's impossible to tell who is correct. President Trump has once again dared House Democrats to tack on another article to their pending impeachment probe. That article being obstruction. On Tuesday, Ambassador to the EU Gordon Sondland was slated to testify before the House Intelligence Committee. Sondland is a key figure in the Ukraine scandal, as text messages show him heavily involved in the White House's policy of withholding aid to Kiev in return for investigations of Trump's political opponents. In one very telling exchange, 
A U.S. embassy official in Ukraine texts Sondland saying, quote, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance to help with a political campaign, end quote, to which Sondland gives an extremely canned denial and then suggests they take the conversation off of text message. <laughs> Hours before he was scheduled to appear, Sondland's attorney released a statement claiming his client has been prohibited from appearing by the State Department and that as an employee of the department, he has to abide by that, which he doesn't actually, but go off. Then President Trump tweeted out confirming that he had blocked Sondland from appearing, saying, quote, I would love to send Ambassador Sondland, a really good man and great American, to testify, but unfortunately he would be testifying before a totally compromised kangaroo court where Republicans' rights have been taken away and true facts are not allowed out for the public to see. He goes on uh, ranting for a bit like that. Sondland's attorney claimed his client was disappointed that he wouldn't be able to appear before the committee again. He could just appear before the committee. He if he is actually disappointed, he doesn't have to abide by some sort of State Department rule. By the way, Sondland is a hotel magnate who got his gig as ambassador to the EU by cutting a million-dollar donation check to Trump's inaugural committee. Not sure if it was worth it today. House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, meanwhile, called the White House's refusal to allow Sondland to testify, quote, strong evidence of obstruction. They are next moving to subpoena Sondland, forcing him to testify. As predicted by many, including this podcast, now that Democrats have initiated impeachment, there's been a massive surge in public support for it. A Washington Post share school poll shows 58% of Americans in favor of the impeachment probe, 38% opposed. Those numbers were flipped as recently as July when another Washington Post poll found that 37% supported impeachment, 59% did not. That is a pretty swift change in just a couple of months. Predicted markets are confident that Trump will be impeached, which is trending at about 71 cents, but that Trump will ultimately not be convicted by the Senate. Trump finishing his first term is trading at 72 cents, which is probably a smart bet. The Federal Housing Administration last year may have wrongly insured up to $27.3 billion in mortgages. That's according to a report released today by the Department of Housing and Urban Development on federally insured mortgages made to people who weren't actually qualified for them because of tax debt. Not passing judgment here, just our financial system is notoriously good at managing risk and extremely forgiving to the average person, so this shouldn't be a problem in the future. The agency's inspector general said the FHA isn't supposed to insure mortgages to people with unresolved tax debt, yet it did so last year for more than 56,000 loans worth $13 billion. Another 57,900 loans worth $14.3 billion were made to people who might be ineligible. The Department of Treasury was unable to provide data on whether these borrowers were following qualifying repayment plans, so HUD IG was unable to verify their eligibility. Altogether, these two classes of loans account for roughly one-ninth of the total mortgage portfolio insured last year by the FHA. The tax debts of these borrowers are managing to escape credit agencies because the IRS changed the threshold of reporting requirements earlier this decade up to $10,000 from $5,000, 
Also, apparently in 2018, credit reporting bureaus removed tax liens from their records altogether. It's kind of feeling 2060 in here. Is John McCain's corpse about to rise from the earth and call for a troop surge somewhere? <laughs> According to today's Watchdog report, the agency could force lenders to check with the IRS on borrowers' tax debt, but it isn't doing that, though it promised to improve screening in response to the IG's recommendations. The report also noted that loans made to people with unresolved tax debt and no repayment plan had a greater default rate by 89%. Finally today, civil rights groups are calling on Congress to investigate a subsidiary of Amazon and its ties to police departments. More than 30 organizations signed onto a letter expressing concern about camera doorbell manufacturer Ring, which is owned by Amazon. You've oh, probably yeah. Yeah, you've probably seen ads for these devices. You've probably seen cops hawking them too. That's because as the Washington Post reported in August, Ring has a deal with over 400 police departments around the country, giving authorities access to the doorbell camera video feeds. It gets even creepier, like Ring is sending uh, marketing talking points to police officers to help them sell the Ring to people in their neighborhoods and offering subsidies to uh Cops are using taxpayer funds to give subsidies to people to buy ring devices, which they then can use as surveillance devices. Damn, 1984 was fiction, not a not an instruction manual. <laughs> In their letter, groups like Color of Change, Defending Rights and Dissent, and Fight for the Future said the arrangement between ring and law enforcement poses, quote, a serious threat to civil rights and liberties, especially for black and brown communities already targeted and surveilled by law enforcement. The groups further add that, quote, with no oversight and accountability, Amazon's technology creates a seamless and easily automated experience for police to request and access footage without a warrant and then store it indefinitely, end quote. From there, cops could share the data with ICE or with the FBI or run it through facial recognition software. The letter calls on Congress to demand more accountability and transparency from Ring regarding their deals with police and future plans for the product. All right, that ends the newscast for today. Before we go, we've got some poetry to read for our new subscribers on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Five bucks a month, you get access to all the content we put out, including Friday's Garbage Can. Subscribe for whatever you can afford and you get your own haiku written for you and read on the air. I'll go first. This is for Benjamin. A massive beached whale growing bloated with gases. A Trump metaphor. Got him. <laughs> Thank you, Benjamin. <laughs> He'll never recover. This is for Dawn. Or should I say Drumpf? No, I shouldn't. Because your name is Dawn. That's what you've said. Anyway, this is for Dawn. Day of Atonement. Life of Atonement, more like. Atone constantly. Thank you, Don. Thank you to all the new subscribers on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Speaking of atoning, Sam and I will be atoning tomorrow, so no newscast. In lieu of the newscast, we're releasing an interview we did last week 
with Chicago teacher Kenzo Shibata, who's a member of the Chicago Teachers Union bargaining team. The Chicago teachers are preparing to go on strike. We spoke with Kenzo about that last week. It's been behind our paywall. We're about to remove it from the paywall and release it tomorrow in lieu of a newscast. We will be back Thursday in D.C. so you don't have to be.